Turn in our Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 16 is where we'll start. And I want to preach on this subject tonight, and that is the missteps, lessons from the missteps of a monarch. And there are a lot of lessons in this passage of scripture. It's about King Uzziah, one of the greatest kings that uh, Israel ever had, uh, Judah ever had, but we say Israel. And we'll begin reading with verse 1. Let's all stand together, and I'd like for you to really pay attention to verses 1 through 15, but special attention, that's the background, but special attention beginning in verse 16. And I want you to notice this as we look at these first 10 to 12, 13 verses that uh, Uzziah, as I said, he was a great king. Perhaps one, one passage of scripture that really shows his greatness is in that very familiar passage in Isaiah chapter 6 where, where Isaiah, the statesman prophet, the Bible says in the year that King Uzziah died, he was in the temple, and he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Personally, I think that was a very dark and depressing time for Isaiah with the loss of a king like Uzziah. We can get our attention fixed on people, and sometimes when those people are taken out of the way, it snaps us back to our senses, and we get our eyes where they need to be and should have been all along, and that is on, on the Lord. Let's look at this man, Uzziah, and before we read, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you for, for this church, for this conference. We thank you for all the churches represented here, for all the brothers and sisters here tonight, for your servants. We thank you for them. We pray that you'll keep our hearts open, help us to be undistracted by the cares of this world, the things that maybe we've just had to deal with at home or or anticipating having to deal with. Help us to concentrate on what you have to say to us this week in this special meeting. And we pray, dear God, you'll get honor and glory from all that's said and done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, it says, Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king, in the room of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and, and he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and break down the wall of Gath and the wall of, of uh, Jabna and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal and the Mahunims. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah and his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt for he strengthened himself exceedingly. 
Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall and fortified them. And he built towers in the desert and digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains, husbandmen also and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. Moreover, Uzziah had an host of fighting men that went out to war by bands, according to the number of their account by the hand of Jeel, the scribe, and Messiah, the, ru the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600, and under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,500, that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all of the host shields and spears and helmets and habergeons and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed. We've had a warning already in the message prior about pride. He transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest, think about this phrase, went in after him. And with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for, the, for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence, yea, himself hasted it, also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death. And he dwelt in a several house being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house judging the people of the land. Please be seated. Now the background this evening and it will be tomorrow evening too, by the way. Be the same background. But two things are brought out in these first verses by way of background. That is the, the great spirituality of Uzziah the king. He was not only a great king who reigned for over 50 years, but we read in verse 4 that these biblical references in verse 5 to the spirituality of that he had. The Bible says in verse 4, what a commendable thing that uh, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. 
What a wonderful thing to document this uh, stage of his, of his life. And uh, the reason he did what was right in the sight of the Lord is just spelled out for us. Now you notice two things that the Bible tells us about here. here. He had a great influences in his life. Uh, one that kind of dropped the ball and another I think that never dropped the ball. But the Bible says that um, in verse 5, he sought God in the days of Zechariah, the man of God. Zechariah had such an influence over his life. He's an older man of God, and uh, he influences this young king in a tremendous way. And then the Bible talks about, about his uh, father. If you look up a little, a little further, verse 4, it says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father, Amaziah, did. So he's following in the footsteps and under the influence of a, of a good father. We'll say a little more about that in a minute. But also the, this man of God has such a tremendous influence in his life. And he's living a spiritually directed life here. And he had a lot of success. That kind of happens. You know, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. That's not rocket science. All, all you got to know to get on track there is the difference between first and second, or between third and first. Uh, to know what's first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and, you, and then all of these things, the things that really matter, the things that are gratifying, satisfying, a blessing to you and everybody else's life that you'll touch, those things will be added unto you. If you get these things right, you'll have success. You'll be spiritual and you'll have success. Now in verses 6, 7, and 8, you read about the mighty successes that he had in wartime. We read about his conquest over his enemies. We read about all this armament that he commissioned, all these bulwarks and towers. We read about these this 307,500 man army that were tremendous warriors in and of themselves, but they were under the leadership of 2,600 of these men who are, are distinguished throughout the Bible and known as mighty men. These mighty men are leading these, these hundreds of thousands of troops and so you think what a powerful, powerful army this must have been. Now also you read in verses 9 and 10 about all of the buildings that Uzziah built, about all of the wells that he dug, even out there in the desert. And the Bible says that evidently he loved agriculture, he loved farming, he loved husbandry. Now that sounds like a well-rounded man to me. Quite a man. But then when you look at the latter part of verse 5, the Bible says all this went on as long as he sought the Lord God. The Bible says God made him to prosper. And in verse 7, the Bible simply says, and God helped him. Amen. And then in verse 14, the Bible says he was marvelously helped. What a life. What, what a tremendous start 
in life. But there's a great lesson here in all these verses that we've read relative and and I, I really got my attention when Brother Smith started talking about pride. Because there's a great lesson here relative to the possibility of pride. Just when you think that maybe you're a little bit immune to pride, that's when it'll get you. Amen. Just when you start calling somebody else proud, that's when it'll creep in. And then there's lessons here about the prevention of pride. And then the terrible price that there is for being prideful. Amen. Some of us have already learned some of these lessons. But I want you to think about these three things in connection with the message tonight. And the first thing is this. Just very, very simple. These things fall right out of the passage. God is telling us, number one, about the conceit of Uzziah. When you get to verse 16, you find out that he begins to be overtaken, overcome by evil. We'll put it that way. The evil of pride. This good man is all of a sudden overcome by evil. It can happen to any of us. And the second part of the message I want you to notice in the breakdown is the challenge there was to Uzziah when he got like this. Thank God there was somebody around there to call his hand on him. Amen. We need people to call our hand sometime. Might be our wife do it. Might be some friend in the church do it. Might come from an unusual circumstance, but people need that. He had a challenge. Uzziah was challenged when he did what he finally did, and then he was chastened. The way of the transgressor is hard. It's very, very hard. So there's some very simple lessons here, but I couldn't help but think again during the song service about this uh, account in the Bible. Over the years of my life, now the many decades of my life, not only have I had my own experiences with it, but it's been so sad through the years to see people, especially young people, who are so gifted. People who had such a sweet spirit. Not always necessarily young, but people who are even saved later in life. But they have so much, so much potential. They have, they have a good spirit. They have humility. You see it in people in the pews and and I've seen it in preachers. They got so much, as we would say, going for them. And then they slip into Satan's snare of pride. And this is what we see in Uzziah. Now the Bible speaks first about the conceit of Uzziah. Now when did it, when did it happen? It happened when he was strong. He started thinking about how strong he was. He started thinking about how gifted, how multi-talented he was. He probably started thinking like this. If he'd have been a pastor, he might have thought like this. What would this church do without me? I could tell you some, some stories there. Some you'd laugh at, some you'd gasp at. About men who had that attitude and they found out how wrong they were. Amen. One man said this, said, but... If he could only have seen how small a vacancy 
his death would leave, the proud man would think less of the place he occupies in his lifetime. Now look at the reason for King Uzziah's conceit. To understand this, you just have to understand what we've looked at in the verses before, but here it is summed up in five words in verse 16. But when he was strong, when he was strong. See, he wasn't like Paul. Paul gloried in his weakness. Uzziah began to glory in his strength. Look what I have. Look what I have built. He's not the first one to do something like that. So to understand all of this, we have to understand the power that he possessed. You know, when you get into a place of power, that's a pretty shaky place. We're not careful. People can get too strong. Now listen carefully. I've seen it. I've seen it in families through the years. You can get too strong financially. I've seen so many people didn't have two nickels hardly to rub together, but they were always faithful in church. Then they started getting that promotion, getting a little raise in pay. Then they got themselves in debt. And before long, it wasn't just daddy working, but it was mom had to work now to keep up those payments and everything. People can get too strong financially. Amen. People can get too strong positionally. Some people can't handle positions. You give them a position, brethren, some of you know this. You give them a position too soon. You ignore what the Bible says, lay hands suddenly on no man, lest they be lifted up, fall in the snare of the devil, and they can't handle position. And it ruins them. People can become too strong positionally. We can say a lot of other things. People can become too strong educationally. They go off to school and they get a bunch of degrees. And I'm not against degrees, but you don't go to school to get stupid. <laughs> Amen. But some people, I've seen that happen. They got too strong educationally. So you look at the power that he possessed. But when he was strong... And then you look at the next step here, the pride he permitted. He permitted it. See, when you get into a place like that, you begin to think the rules don't apply to you. You used to be careful about haughty thoughts. But now you think you can entertain a few haughty thoughts. You deserve them. They're appropriate. The Bible says in verse 16, his heart was lifted up with pride. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, There's nothing into which the heart of man so easily falls as pride, and yet there's no vice that is more frequently, more emphatically, and more eloquently condemned in Scripture. How true. There's nothing condemned more in the Scripture than pride. Amen. That was the devil's undoing. Amen. And so you, you see all of these things about about Uzziah. Let, let me just jump to this, this little conclusion here, this little uh, commentary on this. The reason, the re result of his pride was he committed an outrageous transgression. I mean, it was outrageous. Um, John Ruskin said, pride is at the bottom of all great mistakes. Somebody else said, if you harden your heart with pride, you'll soften your brain with it too. <laughs> you know what is, and I just, I got to, I want to hurry on this, but 
the, the thought just comes to mind. So many lessons in this passage. You know, you know, if you really wanted to boil it down, you could put it like this. Here's, here's Uzziah. He goes and he thinks, ah, I'll just go into the temple. He knew what the Bible said. Did you ever know anybody that knows what the Bible says? And then they do the exact opposite. He said, I'll just go in here and offer incense myself. The rules don't apply to me. But you know what he was doing? Listen very carefully for the next couple of minutes. Uzziah's one, his big problem was he was trying to do somebody else's job. There are millions of people who are in trouble tonight. Some of them may be right here in this room. And you may not even know you're in this kind of trouble, but you are in this kind of trouble if you are a wife trying to do your husband's job. If you're a husband trying to be Mr. Mom. Amen. I was talking to a young preacher out west just a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me, and he is, he is a gem of a young preacher, just a gem. Any church, any size, anywhere would be happy. Glad to have him. He's out there with a small church and they're giving him fits. And there's a woman in the church who's trying to do the pastor's job. And she's so overbearing, the men in the church who are otherwise good men just kind of puppy down for her. I got a message last, just a few days ago, said that the men of the church got up publicly about a a few days ago, and apologized and said they were ashamed of herself, themselves. Amen. Amen. Now the church has a chance. But there's no woman that has any business trying to do the pastor's job. There's no deacon that has any business trying to do the pastor's job. Thank God for deacons. It's a scriptural office. I just don't think we ought to have, we're just not having deacons. We're not having, we're just not having them. When you know what the Bible says, now if you don't have enough people, I don't want to get off on that, but if you need, if you, if you qualify for having deacons, you ought to have deacons. Amen. What makes you think so? The Bible. Amen. So he got into trouble. He was trying to take over somebody else's role. That is not going to work. Not in families, not in churches, or anywhere else. Who was, the, who was the real person against whom Uzziah committed his sin? Well, he transgressed. The Bible says in verse 16, he transgressed against the Lord his God. See, that's who's really being transgressed when, you're do, when you get into things like this and are lifted up with pride. He transgressed against the Lord his God, and that's because all sin is essentially and ultimately against God. The psalmist said, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Where was the place he committed the great sin? It wasn't in some so-called adult bookstore. There, there's nothing adult about them. They're just perverts, whatever their age. What? Where did he commit this great sin against God? In God's house. In God's house. He went into the temple, the Bible says, and there presumed that he was going to burn incense himself. And it just wasn't his place. But how about this? I think that today there are a lot of people who go into the house of God each and every week and do things they ought not do. 
They sing things they shouldn't sing. They say things they should not say in the house of God. They wear things they ought not wear in the house of God. Or any place else for that matter. Amen. And they do it in the house of God. And people are so spiritually dumbed down by the devil, they can't even be ashamed of themselves. It's like Jeremiah's day when people had lost the ability even to blush. Well, he went into the house of God and committed this great transgression, and guess what happened? He was challenged. Boy, we need this today. We desperately need men to act like these men of God acted today. The conference themes overcome evil with good. And I liked what the pastor said when he said, preachers have a way of whatever the theme, they'll get somehow work that out as their theme. Well, I didn't have to do much thinking about it. You know who's supposed, and that's a good thing. By the way, you don't have to do a lot of thinking to prepare sermons. Probably the least imagination you have, the better. <laughs> Amen? Just preach. I heard of a man the other day preach on a prodigal son's mother. 45 minutes on a pro prodigal son's mother. What an imagination. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Did you ever hear anything like that? You know who's supposed to be taking the lead in overcoming evil with good? pastors. That's right. I want you to look at these men just as fast as we can. I, got, I think I got, I think I have 15 minutes. I'm almost sure I have 15. I'm almost positive of it. <laughs> but I want you to know, I want you just to notice this. Notice the presence of the priest. Substitute the word preacher, pastor, whatever. Now notice when he went into the temple, Notice first the unhesitating response by the priesthood to what the king did. They didn't have a business meeting. What are we going to do? Uh, what might the consequences be? Look at verse 17. When he went into that temple, that, that censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, those priests were, were ready. For him. The Bible says, verse 17, and Azariah the priest went in after him. Went in after him. And that's what they should have done. Amaziah was right to go after the king when he started to do what he was doing. And preachers today should have been going after. These, and I'll, I'll say this, wannabe preachers that aren't qualified to preach, that aren't qualified to pastor, now we are inundated with pastors who are not qualified to be pastors. And it's because good men didn't go after them. You know, you can speak... The Bible says speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. But speak the truth. All oh, the collateral damage. It's right for preachers to go in after some people. 
And I'll just throw this in. Now, I know how important balance is. And like anything else, you can get really in trouble if you lose your sense of balance. But let me call a few things to your attention, okay? He went in after the king. Oh, I don't think the king, I don't think preacher, I don't think preachers should, should in, get involved with politics. Where did, you, where did you learn that? You heard somebody else say that, didn't you? It's like anything else. You can go overboard. You can lose your sense of balance. But here's the good news. You don't have to. I think about somebody like a preacher named uh, Samuel who went in after King Saul. And I think about Nathan who went after David. And I think about people like Elijah that went after Ahab and Jezebel. That's as political as it gets. And what about John? Well, that was the Old Testament. What about John the Baptist? He went right after King Herod for his immorality. We have got the biggest, most condensed collection of immoral perverts, devils, and human skins running this country now. And preachers are exhorting one another. Don't say anything about it. Don't go after it. Don't go after him from the pulpit. Somebody will get upset and tell you you shouldn't be bringing those. How ridiculous. Now notice, notice this also. And by the way, the government's thrusting its snout into the affairs of God now. Shutting down churches, and I think churches did the right thing. In, in try, for, for health's sake, they, they tried to go along and do right till they found out what a bunch of nonsense it was. Now the government wants to take over your children. None of their business. But there was, a, uh, there was an unhesitating response. But notice this. By this, this uh, pr prophet, Azariah, but here's, here's really, it gets better. Notice the unanimity in the response by the priesthood. The pastor already brought this up. These preachers are not fighting one another. They're not competing with one another. They're not preying on each other's congregations. They're on the same page. And by the way, it's a good idea for preachers to be on the same page when it comes to the King James Bible. Amen. People wiggling around, worming around, squirming around, trying to use other translations, translations and make it sound like it's okay. It is not okay. Why did these men do what they did? Well, why did, the, why did the Azariah go in to confront the king and all these others go in? Eighty of them. Eighty men went right in there with him. Went after him. Here's why they did it. Because, number one, they were men who were conscientious and conscious of what was going on. They were men who cared. They knew that they were. Now look at this, verse 17. They knew who they were. That's very important. Verse 17 says they were priests of the Lord. Amen. First, a man of God is a man of God. First and foremost, 
not to the congregation or to anybody else. First and foremost, this is the only way to keep your barriers. So they were conscious men. Uh, they were courageous men. Verse 17. Here's what it says about these preachers. They were valiant men. Valiant. That's what we need today. Valiant men. Courageous men. You can be nice and still be valiant. Amen? I always tell people, I don't have to try to be nice. I'm naturally nice. We, can, we all ought to be nice. We should be gentlemen. The greatest gentlemen on the globe ought to be Baptist preachers. In how they look, how they talk, how they carry themselves. We are ambassadors for God. So they went in and they made a protest. These preachers confronted the king about what he had done. <laughs> What a great idea. They didn't dance around it. The Bible says they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord. You have no business burning this incense. You have no business doing what you're doing. You know what Uzziah did? He's so far gone, he doesn't pay any attention to what the preachers say. Three minutes. <laughs> He just kept up. He kept that in, he kept that censer in his hand. Some people are like that. And so you see his chastisement. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now I mentioned in the beginning of the message he had two great influences in his life. One was his father's and one is this preacher. You know who had the greater influence? You say, the preacher, the preacher. No, his father had the greater influence, for bad. In this case, it was for bad. In chapter 25, a chapter before this one, verse 2, the Bible says that, that, uh, that Uzziah's daddy, his dad did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. He was a compromiser in some ways, and little Uzziah picked up on it. Amen. The person who is going to influence your child or anybody you care about the most in your family is not going to be the pastor as important as the pastor is if you don't throw the weight of your influence behind the man of God and the preaching of the word of God. Amen. And those things should never conflict with each other. You get a man up there mentioning all of his preferences and his nonsense. You better be looking for another church. You know what men of God do? They preach the word. What a what? Novel idea. Preach the word. Not to be telling a bunch of stories and fairy tales and little mini biographies. So Uzziah was stubborn. You see what was in his heart. He was wroth. He got mad at what the preachers all said. There are 81 of them, they're all on the same page, and he still gets mad at them. And then you see what was in his hand. He still had that sensor in his hand, and he's not going to turn loose of what he wanted to do. 
He's determined to keep on doing it. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 and verse 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his heart shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. But his anger was all misdirected. He got mad at the preachers. The Bible says in verse 19, while he was wroth with the priest, he should have been angry at his own self. Amen. He should have been angry at his own sin, his own attitude. That's who he should have gotten good and mad at his flesh. So you see his stubbornness, and then you see his suffering. There's no trouble like homemade trouble. In verse 19, you see his leprosy. Boy, think about this. And the Bible says, the, the, while, he was, while he was still in there ranting and getting red-faced, all of a sudden they noticed something else about his face. The leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord. There before the altar of incense. And from that day on, when anybody ever saw Uzziah, the thing they, the thing they recognized first and the thing they remembered longest was not all of those great military campaigns and victories, all of those architectural feats. They remembered, he's a leper. That's what they remembered about him. That's what happens when people full of potential give way to pride. And then here's the last thing. You got this leprosy, and you know what it resulted in? Loneliness. He was lonely. He didn't have that relationship with God that he once had. He has to go live in a house all by himself, away from everybody else, follow the law of the leper, because he was a leper. And his fellowship with his people wasn't what it once was. Amen. Verse 4, he'd done what was right. He was made to prosper, etc. But now he's a leper, living in a house by himself, having plenty of time to think about what might have been and about what didn't have to be. If you just turn the page, you can look at this for yourself. The next chapter tells us about his son, Jotham, and what he did. It tells you what he did. That's pretty good. But if you read those first two verses in the next chapter, it'll tell you what Uzziah's son, Jotham, didn't do.